Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. All that glitter and all that gold won't buy everything you've been bought and sold. Welcome to the new and improved Habs Unfiltered with Less Filter, hosted by Blaine Potvin, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. We provide you, our listeners, informative, honest discussion and entertainment about the Montreal Canadiens, hockey, and sometimes bad life advice. Stick around, we will be right back with a jam-packed and entertaining episode. And hello, everyone. We're back for another exciting episode of Habs Unfiltered. I'm going to be your host today. I'm here with Matt Smith. Good evening. Uh, Blaine Potvin will not join us. He uh, was busy with uh, work and uh, I think he has a hockey tournament or something this weekend. So he wasn't around. And uh, so it's just going to be the Treg and Matt show for this week. Uh, Matt, how you been? I've been fantastic, and uh, I'm kind of jealous that Blaine's in Moncton right now because, uh, as you know, it's my hometown, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll always get a little bit homesick every time you hear someone's, uh, you know, uh, visiting your hometown or being able to eat at one of your favorite restaurants or something like that. Yeah, well, he's going to enjoy that. Uh, it's Moncton. I don't have much to say about it. No offense, but um... <laughs> hey, they got a good hockey team this year. They do, they do, and Halifax does not. So, uh, and we'd like to thank you for the players that you sent over at the trade deadline as well. Well, you're you're mighty welcome. You're mighty welcome. <laughs> we we had no use for them. No. <laughs> uh, so a busy week for the Habs. Uh, lost Arizona into Boston just when they were getting their wheels going. Uh, I I'll be honest, I expected the loss in Boston, but I was I was hoping they'd beat Arizona. I thought they could have. Um, so. What do you think? Uh, do you think the the final nails in the coffin, or do you think there's still some light at the end of the tunnel? This is a problem that the Canadians have been having. Um, yes, they've had the two long stretches of losses. They've had two um, two streaks of eight games, which would kill any team. The problem I'm having is that lately they've been playing some pretty good hockey, and even though that the uh, the flu bug has been more like a plague for this team, they've um, still managed to get managed to string some meaningful wins together. The only problem is that they're not making up any traction when it comes to a playoff spot because the teams ahead of them are still putting up points as well. We've seen a lot of three point games. So that's just frustrating as old hell. If you're a Canadians fan and you want to see some playoff hockey, but um, as you said, it was um, a more, it was a, it was more of a, yes, it was, it was more of a nail in the coffin, especially against Boston. Um, I, I, I feel that um, they just they just didn't have it, and they just didn't have any puck luck. Uh, Domi hit the post multiple times. They couldn't do anything on the power play, and um, 
you know, we'll see with their upcoming games this weekend if they can string anything together. But uh, with uh, with the loss of Weber now for uh, a long period of time, especially at this point in the season, that's just another nail. And it's looking like the dirt's going to start getting thrown on pretty soon. Yeah, they uh, uh, they gained two points in that four-game streak. So they went from nine points behind to seven with uh, still games in hand. Now, mind you, the games in hand are less now going into uh, – that will be going until Friday. They're still seven points back of third, but they're uh, ten points back of a wild card spot. So, unless Toronto and Florida go on a major losing streak and Montreal maintains about an eight hundred winning streak, it's pretty much all but over. Um, it's it's looking that way, unfortunately. But um, you know, there's some positives to pull out of this season so far. Uh, for me, it's Nick Suzuki. I think he's been. Uh, He's been a really bright spot for the Canadians this year. And uh, somebody posted the other day a comparison of his numbers next to Matt Duchesne, who the Canadians had a lot of interest in over the offseason. And as we record right now, they've got the same amount of points. And, you know, you guys can look up the amount that Duchesne is making over at Nick Suzuki. Oh, and, it's like almost nine million or something like that. Yeah, something like that to yeah. to to about eight to about eight hundred thousand. So yeah. I think we got a pretty good one for Pacioretty. Uh most definitely, especially if you add Tatar uh, and what he's been doing this year. Absolutely. Um, uh, so we're gonna go and uh, we're gonna give a, a little our thoughts on that out to uh, Jay Bowmeister and his family. If uh, I'm sure everyone knows by now, uh, Bowmeister had a cardiac arrest on the bench uh, during a game. Uh, uh, he was the defibrillator was used. He was, uh, however, was conscious and talking on the way out, and uh, went to the went to the hospital. And all reports right now out of St. Louis is that he's he's doing okay. He's not in intensive care, and he's uh, starting to recover. Um, so I just wanted to bring up that up and give our thoughts out to the uh, Bowmeister family, the St. Louis Blues, and uh, anything anyone else involved in that. Uh, it was Dad's weekend, so that must have been pretty hard for uh, his his dad to be there and stuff like that to see that. And uh, let's hope for a speedy recovery. Absolutely, this is something that you never want to see. It doesn't matter who you're playing against, if it's the Leafs, if it's the Bruins, um, whatever player it is, etc. You never want to see someone go down like that. And um, you said it, you know, dad's weekend. This is, this is the a decision that was made by the NHL. Stop the game. We can reschedule. And I think it was the, it was definitely the right call. You do. Like, the guys were shooken, shooken up as you can see. And, um, you know, we, we hope for all the best when it comes to uh, Jay Bowmeister and his health moving forward. And we're looking forward to seeing him on the ice again. If, uh, you know, if he can pull together and uh, resume his career, because, you know, he's, uh, he's been around for a long time. He's represented Team Canada, and, um, you know, we're hoping for the best for him. Yep, we are. Uh, moving on from that, uh, we're going to get into uh, injury news and speculation of injury news, and I'm pretty sure I heard Weber died and uh, and uh, that he uh, will never, ever play hockey again. Uh, yeah, something now, like that. <laughs> now, uh, Weber's injury... Uh, uh, came out he got injured in the uh new jersey game uh and uh when he first went out uh it didn't sound too good to beginning uh montreal didn't really say much they said it was a lower body injury and then all the speculation started happening um so you had people saying he's he's done for his career's over he's he's done for the year 
Then it was his done for the year and his career could be over. Uh, now then we got reports from, uh, say, Bob McKenzie, who said uh, they're waiting, or, or Eric Angles and a bunch of Montreal guys said it as well. Uh, they're waiting for the swelling to go down to see exactly what the prognosis will be, and that would take time. So right then and there, you knew it was a somewhat, somewhat serious if they're waiting for swelling to go down. Uh, and then speculation went out even more. Uh, you had uh, Nick Kiprios coming out and saying, you know, it's career, it's a season-ending, maybe even career-ending injury to his foot. Uh, it wasn't his foot. It was a high ankle sprain. And once they went to Wisconsin, which I believe was Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken there, Matt, was it? Before, yeah, I believe so. Right before the Boston game or the day of the Boston game. Uh, they went to Wisconsin, talked to Dr. Anderson, and it, it's a high ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Now, uh, apparently Weber was pretty pissed about the fact that people said he was done, his career was over. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, uh, I have a tweet here. Uh, you mentioned uh, Eric Engels, and I'll just read it out here just so we can, uh, and, I'll, and I'll read it word for word just so we, uh, we can uh, say what we need to say on this. So Eric Engels tweeted the following. He said, a Canadian's representative informed me that the team received an update on Shea Weber early this afternoon after he came out of his appointment with Dr. Anderson and that Weber was very displeased to see speculation about his career being in jeopardy. Everything was inclusive before today. The team was concerned about his situation, but both team and Weber were hoping for good news and extremely relieved to receive it. So we don't hear a lot from Shea Weber. We hear, you know, we'll hear from him after a loss. We'll hear from him prior to a game every now and then. But he's not one of those guys that you see vocal in the locker room or anything like that. He's a very quiet, big giant of a man. And, you know, he does his talking on the ice by putting the puck in the net and supporting his teammates. And, um, yeah, for uh, for the media to jump all over this. And, you know, I don't I don't know who these sources are that let uh, Nick Caprios know that this could be a career-ending injury, or that there was that there was something really, really negative going on with uh, with Weber in, a court, in, a, in in with this injury, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a little bit ridiculous, and I don't know if he was just looking for clickbait or whatever, but uh, you know he should he should know better. He's been in this industry for a long time, and you know we sent another tweet out saying, "Oh, I'm sticking to my story." Well. You stick the story all you want, but you pissed but off a lot of people. Pissed totally off a lot false. of people. <laughs> Absolutely, and he pissed <laughs> off a lot of people in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, well, the problem with Montreal uh, and and Montreal PR uh, is the fact that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Uh, if we go back to Price's injury when he missed the entire season, uh, when it first happened, uh, Price was uh, uh, supposedly only going to be out a couple weeks. Then it turned into a couple more weeks and then it turned into a couple months and then he was shut down for the season. And this was after only, I think, 15 games, I think, uh, that year. Uh, yeah, that was after they made their big run and they were unstoppable for the first little bit of the season. Yeah. So back then and then Montreal, you know, we're, we're saying, all right, he's out. He's going to be out for this long. Then he's going to be out for this long. And then people complain about that because they're like, well, what's wrong? Like, tell the fans what's wrong and how long is he really going to be out? You're hiding something from us. So then the next year, they all came out and said, all right, we're going to be more transparent on things. It's obvious you want to know stuff. We're going to be a little bit more transparent. So now they're waiting to get actual prognosis on an injury before coming out and saying anything. And now everyone's complaining about that. 
Now they're saying, well, why aren't you telling us? Now, and then, no matter what they say, it's a lie. So you go with the uh, Druin injury. He was supposed to be out six to eight weeks. He may end up being out uh, 12 weeks, I think. However, he was the doctor had said he's good to go after the eight weeks, except he just wasn't comfortable with his wrist, so he took a little bit more time. Uh, so, I mean, not to try to sound like a rant, but I don't understand what fans or anyone wants anymore, or even the media. Like, what do you want? Do you want them to say, this is what it is, this is what it could be, and then come back two weeks later and say, no, we were wrong, he's, you know, out forever. It's, it boggles my mind. Like, I would rather sit and wait to say, all right, he has a lower body injury, we don't know what it is right now, we'll let you know as soon as we do, which is pretty much what they did with Weber. That's right. And then everyone just jumped on all the speculation. Like people were going on, oh, he's he he's he's missed, he's washed up, he's old. That's why he's getting injured. He blocked a shot off his ankle. That's why he got injured. He blocked a shot off his foot. That's why he got injured. It's not like he's you know just wearing down. It's the fact that he's doing his freaking job, right? That's right. That's and, right. And you know what? I challenge anybody that's listening to this: take a puck at the at NHL speeds to your ankle and see how. See you know, see how you walk it off. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and this, uh, sure, you know what? Maybe age does play a little factor into it, just for the simple fact that he's been doing this now for, uh, I don't what fifteen years. I don't know how long he's been in, but it's been quite a while. But you yeah, know what? he's like, been doing this, especially forever. at especially at this level. He's been a top defenseman yeah. forever. Yeah, and uh, but you know, once you do get a, don't sit there and and go on. Oh well, they're probably lying to us. Oh, they're doing this. They're oh, they're going to that. They're not telling you anything that the doctors aren't telling them. Sometimes do players take a little longer? Yes, they do. Sometimes they don't take as long. It depends on the player and how well they heal and how comfortable they feel after they're told they can come back. Absolutely. That was the issue with Druin. Druin wasn't comfortable with his wrist, and his whole job is to shoot the puck and create plays, which he needs good wrists for. Absolutely. He, I still don't think he's. I still don't think he's comfortable with his wrist. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like he is. Like right now, he's, he seems to be fighting the puck a lot. He's only got, I think, two shots over the three games that he's played. He hasn't looked comfortable, in my opinion. A lot of giveaways. He's really soft on the boards. You know, he was before, but he's even more soft now. And um, he, he doesn't know, it, seem... it, just, it just seems like he's like a, he's like a shell of himself right now. And I, it, might, it might end up being that way for the next little while. And the fact that the Canadians... Yes, they're playing meaningful hockey to them, and they don't want to give up, you know. But each loss or every win by a, 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 an opposing team that they're chasing, it's just putting it, them back. Exactly, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna start to show. And with the trade deadline coming up, all these guys aren't gonna stick around. We're likely gonna see someone like a Nick Cousins, maybe a Scandell, a Nate Thompson, maybe a Dale Weiss, etc., moved on to different teams. And that's going to change the uh, dynamic on the ice, and it's going to change the dynamic in the locker room. Yeah. So, especially, say, if Kovalchuk moves. Kovalchuk has been a breath of fresh air for this team. And a lot of of people just jumped on social media, especially people that aren't Canadians fans. And they were like, oh, my God, look at Montreal, just scraping the bottom of the barrel to get a guy like this. You know what? People said the same thing about Radulov. And... You know, you tell, and, and now you, were, Montreal's criticized for not getting him in the offseason. Absolutely, you so, tell me one team that couldn't use a guy like Radulov on their team right now. Yeah, and the biggest thing about Radulov coming over was his work ethic in Nashville, and was he going to be dedicated to the team? 
He gets to oh, he was. He was. He was. However, I think he was more dedicated to making himself look good to get that big contract. Which he did. And I don't think he had any intentions in staying in Montreal, but that's just me. My personal opinion. Unless it's they hard, gave him more it's, money. It's hard, to, it's hard to say right now, but you know, they did they did come out and they did say, you know, we offered them the same amount of money, but we know all about the taxes in Quebec. Yeah. And uh, you know, it is one of those it, it wasn't anything to do with the market. Like he thrived in that market. We see players come to this market and they light it up. Someone like a Max Domi. It, you know, it's not well, for everybody. Last year's Max Domi. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, you know what? So, some people thrive in Montreal, some people don't. It's 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 unfortunate that uh he wasn't able to come back. I definitely wanted him there. I, the I did too. You know, I, I was yeah, had the t shirt, was gonna buy the jersey. Yeah, kind of happy that I did now. But speaking of T-shirts, I got my Violent Gentleman Australian T-shirt today. Oh, that's awesome! I still haven't received mine yet. Yeah, so I got mine. I got it in the mail today. Awesome. Uh, but uh, it, it, and that's uh, Kovalchuk. To me, he thrives in this market. He loves it here. I kind of wish Montreal was a playoff team because where they're not going to be, I don't see Kovalchuk staying. Um. But this could work for them in twofold. If they can talk to him, say, listen, we'll trade you to a cup contender like Colorado or uh, Tampa Bay or Boston, right? Um, but, you know, maybe in the offseason, you give us a consideration to sign back here because, you know, the city loves you. You seem to love the city. Nick Suzuki, uh, and we'll talk more about that in the second half when we talk prospects, but Nick Suzuki's thriving off Kovalchuk. Absolutely. He really so, is. Um, that's my, my only thing. Like if he really wants to stay in Montreal, he'll let Bergevin know, say, Hey, don't trade me. I'll sign. Uh, or it'll be trade me to a cup contender. Maybe I'll come back or they're just going to trade him and see what they can get. Personally. I mean, I think they have enough picks from two down and I don't think you're going to get a first round pick for Kovalchuk. So even if they don't trade him. And then don't sign him. I'm, I I don't see it really being as a loss. Uh, I mean, I guess it is because you could have got a second or you could have got something for him. But I don't know. I don't, I'm in a tough situation when it comes to Kovalchuk. I want him to stay, and then I want. I'm kind of like, eh. If we get something for him, that's great. Well, this is the hard point, and you just brought it yeah. up. Is that you want to get something for him? Either you want to continue seeing him play with the Canadians next season, or you want to offload him for as much as you can. Yeah. If he plays the rest of the season and then teams look at him in the off season and say, Hey, Kovalchuk really brought it in Montreal. Maybe maybe he'd do really well with us in a in a top nine role. Then you're losing him for nothing and all you did is showcase and you were a platform yeah. for his success. Yeah. And I, I think uh Kovalchuk's pretty genuine when he says, you know, I'll give him to the you know, I'm gonna see how I feel here and how I feel about the team and Oh wait! Like I think he really is just concentrating on the team making the playoffs right now. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, and he doesn't want to have these negotiations. And if that's brought up, that kind of tells me that management came to him and said, "Hey, you know, we got to talk." You know what I mean? Yep. 100%. Like we're still interested, but what's your plans? And I, that's what I truly believe. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that's how I think it went. Or else, why would these things come up? Why would he even say? You know what I mean? I don't want to talk negotiations right now or yep, let anyone yep. know. If I was Mark Bergevin, I'd be looking at him, offering him at least a one-year deal. And I'm saying a one-year deal right now just 
based on the fact the Seattle expansion draft is coming up. They signed him for more than a year. He's going to be another guy that they're going to have to possibly um, protect. And with that coming up, you've got to protect guys like Gallagher and Domi and Deneau, et cetera. And uh, we don't know what the, the makeup of the team is going to be going into next season anyway. We don't know who they're going to draft. We don't know if there's going to be moves at the draft. We don't know if there's going to be other trades made this year at the deadline. We're not sure who they're going to look at when it when it comes to free agency this year. So there's a lot of what ifs. Yeah. So if yeah. I was Mark Bergeron right now, I would be offering him a one-year deal for next year. Say thanks for coming out this year. You've been fantastic. Fans love you. The team loves you. You seem to love it here. And I would performance bonus the shit out of that contract yeah. and just say, you know, you score this many goals. We make it. We make it to the playoffs. You play this many games and just start forking out the cash when it comes to that, it's going to give incentive to, for the player to play that much harder. And it's going to, it's going to ease off your, uh, your cap situation. And, you know, Montreal's got money to spend. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, although I think he'd be more comfortable with a two year contract, but same type of style is what you're saying. A, a lower contract, I would say maybe a mil, mil and a half, but just bonus laden for each year. And, you know, I only say two years because I think a guy at his age feels more comfortable on a more secure on a multi-year deal. That's all. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So like a one year, he might say, well, you know what? You're not really trusting me if you're only giving me a one year, whereas I'm trusting you, you know, because he, he, he has come out and said he wants to win a cup. That's so, right. and I personally don't think Montreal's winning a cup next year. Well, you never know. Maybe Bergevin will spend it on them, and you know, if they offer him, say, a mil, mil and a half, they might say, "Well, how about a one-year, you know, two and a half or something?" And sure, maybe, maybe give him a little bit more for sure money before giving him a give it before you know, saying sign here. That makes perfect sense to me. So we'll wrap up this segment here. We'll go to a couple fabulous commercials. And when we come back after this, we'll talk about uh, prospects and uh, and the like and uh, something, a surprisingly thing, Scott Wheeler, of all people, and what he thinks uh, the Habs prospects pool is sitting at. To the chagrin of a lot of people who think we don't have any prospects and Timmons can't draft. But anyway, that, that's a whole other show, really. He can't. He really can't. <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> it's just all, all right. Louis LeBlanc. <laughs> Which wasn't even his choice, but anyway, or so they, so the uh, rumors say. Well, it was a guy that they picked, so. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, we'll go there. All right, so we'll go to commercials, and we'll come back right after this. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real project. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want loyalty, buy a dog. Commercials there. Uh, once again, I'm here with Matt Smith. Blaine couldn't make it, so it's just the, the two of us, so it should be a really good show, better than all the other ones that Blaine's in. Uh, 
So now we're going to talk about prospects. And uh, so uh, we're bringing this up because Scott Wheeler, who is not a big fan of Habs. He's not really a Habs writer. Uh, he's the guy that we would know of that said Habs would score five goals last year. Uh, he uh, did his uh, annual uh, prospect uh, ranking, team's prospect rankings uh, for the Athletic. And lo and behold, he ranked uh, Montreal as the second best prospect pool in the NHL uh, behind the LA Kings. Uh, big reason they, they, they were as high as they were was as uh, Kakinemi now playing in Laval. He's now considered a prospect. And uh, uh, Romanoff, Caulfield, and uh, Brook and Fleury as their, uh, as, oh, and Primo as some of their top prospects. Uh, so having said that, Matt, uh, do you think that's correct? I mean, Craig Buttons has said their top five, maybe the best prospect in uh, in uh, the NHL. That was earlier in the season. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I put them definitely in the top five. Um, we've seen some uh, some strong pickups in terms of uh, Canadians prospects in the last couple of years. Uh, mainly, we're looking at guys like Cole Caulfield. We're looking at Paling. We're looking at um, Kate and Primo, et cetera, guys that were, especially Primo, a guy that was picked in the seventh round that just came out of nowhere that's, uh, that's now, he's the number one in the AHL. And uh, he's more than likely going to be able to take the, uh, the backup position next season if uh, the Canadians deem that he's, that he's ready. Um, I, I'd absolutely agree with him, 100%. I, I would agree with that. I think they're at least top five. Um... I'll admit I don't know enough of the other teams' prospects uh, teams, but just going by Craig Button, uh, now Scott Wheeler, uh, Bob McKenzie, and a few other guys who all have Montreal as one of the top prospect teams in the league. Uh, I think the thing I will say about Habs' prospect pool is they don't, unless Caulfield turns out to be that elite scorer, they still, to me, don't really seem to have that game-breaker player. Uh, That's true. Um, however, I believe they have a, a nucleus of top six players. Um, I think Cotney and Emmy is going to be a top six player. Uh, Caulfield, definitely a top six player. Uh, you have Romanoff in the KHL, who now looks like, at least according to uh, Patrick Brexel, I think Brexel's his last name there on Eyes of the Prize, he says he's their scout over there, and he says uh, he truly believes that Romanoff he's almost certain Romanoff's going to come and play for Montreal next year. Now take that with a grain of salt. Uh, uh, so, and some other people that are over there have said that Romanov, you know, it's more unlikely he's going to come to, uh, over to North America and play, uh, as early as next season. Uh, Romanov to me, I think it's going to be a big top four defenseman. I don't think he's going to be a, a top scoring defenseman. I think he's going to be a, a, a good puck mover or good whatever, but I don't think he's going to be uh, like a 60-point defenseman or anything like that. No, I and can't that, see it. That's what I, I see is missing from the Canadians. Like, I believe the ceiling on Caulfield is 35, maybe 40 goals with the right center or the right line. Uh, and I'm being generous going to 40, and maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic because I don't want to push him up too high, and then all of a sudden he's only a 25-goal scorer. Uh so having said that, I think he's probably the most elite player in that group. 
I don't think Ryan Paling's going to be much more than a top nine player. I'll be honest with you. Especially... I can see him. I can see him as a strong uh, third line center. Yeah, I can. I personally, I'd like to see him as a as a winger. Really, I think he 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 has that size. He's a little bit of a bigger of a Gallagher, uh, and and watching him play in the corners and stuff like that when he was up at times, like, uh, you know, like Brian Wiles said it best, you, you're not learning anything if you're playing eight minutes a game and never touching the puck. That's right. So, you know, for him to go to Laval and Cutting and Emmy to go to that. Now, mind you, Cutting and Emmy was getting third-line minutes at 13 minutes, but you also have to learn that Julian's system is a four-line system and not a three-line system like most teams go with, so... Other teams, third liners are getting 15, 16 minutes a game instead of just 13. Absolutely. Uh, so Cotton Emmy, he now has seven assists in five games in Laval. He's he's looking very good. He's looking like he doesn't belong in Laval to me. Like it's almost like he's one of those. I'm not. I'm better than the AHL, but I'm not quite. At least this year, I'm not quite NHL ready. I mean, he had 30 some odd points last year as a rookie. That you can't ignore that. Um, but, but this I, year has been a huge drop off for him. We, we I, we're, we've got we got a guy that's got eight points in thirty six games with six goals, yeah. and now he's got in three games or whatever it is. Or how many games you played in the Valerie? Five. Five. Okay. Seven points. Five, five. Yeah, five games. He's got seven assists. Yeah. So, so it's looking like it's looking like yeah maybe he shouldn't be there because he is putting up good numbers, but uh, right now it's the best place for him. Oh, I, 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 his confidence is coming back. He's going to learn the game. He's going to have the puck on a stick. Um, you know, I, I think Cotton and Amy has a second line center potential. Um, with Dano and Suzuki, who I believe is going to be our first center. Well, look at well, look at soon. Suzuki. They've actually given him the uh, they've given him the minutes, and they're giving him the opportunity to play. And you're not having to bump him to the wing. You're not having to bump Kakaniemi to the wing. And we're seeing that Suzuki can actually, uh, you know, he can actually play center at the NHL level. And uh, people are saying, oh, well, he's undersized, so he's this and he's that. Like, he's just under 50% for faceoffs. He's got 36 points this year, which is just as many as Max Domi right now in the same amount of games. He's also had 22 since January. Uh, right. So, you know, they're giving the guy the opportunity to play. Kovalchuk had some really good things to say to him. And, you know, the future is very bright for this guy. And, um, you know, just a reminder, this is a guy that they acquired for Pacioretty, as well as Thomas Tatar, who's currently leading the team by 12 points. Yeah. Tatar has 52 points and 20 goals. Yeah. Uh, a key, I think, to Suzuki's success, especially as of late, is... Uh... Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah. Uh, they're playing on the line together. He really took Suzuki under his wing. As a matter of fact, I believe in the Arizona game, Suzuki got rammed into the boards, and Kovalchuk was the guy that stepped up. And he, uh, knocked, he knocked the guy onto Suzuki, but, you know, it was yeah. there. <laughs> he was there. I mean, he, he did what he could do, right? Uh, and he's taken him under his wing, and it's really shown, because I, I think Suzuki, they're playing on the same line, and Suzuki's game has gone up to a whole new level uh, since Kovalchuk's gotten there. And that, I think, is a good foreshadow to maybe Suzuki and Caulfield in a couple years. I'm going to say two because I don't think Caulfield will be here with the Canadians next year. I don't know. Uh, I think that's a good foreshadow because 
Caulfield, even though smaller than Kovalchuk, is a finisher like Kovalchuk is. So who knows what chemistry those two guys could put to Suzuki and Caulfield could put together, uh, playing on a line together. Absolutely. And we know that Caulfield is, uh, is a guy, he's just great at finding an opening. He just needs to stand there. Like, yeah, he's an undersized guy. But he's just one of those guys that he's just like, I'm just going to stand here. The puck's going to come to me. He reminds me of a small Ovechkin. Not Very much so. Very much so. Because he has a, he has a shot. I'm not going to say his shot is as good as Ovechkin's, but it's pretty damn close. He's uh, got an he's got a an NHL ready shot already. Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of goals, uh, I'll just throw it in there quick. He's currently third in the NCAA with 18. And he's playing on one of the worst teams in the NCAA. I'll throw. Yeah, they're out. yeah they're a struggling team. Yes. Which they shouldn't be because they have Turcotte and. They have him, and they got Caulfield, and they got a couple other players that yeah. everyone expected them to pretty a pretty good team this year. Now Caulfield, there's he's always said since he was drafted, he wants to get to the NHL as quick as possible. Now, playing in the NCAA, Montreal has no say over how long he's going to play there or or not. That's all on Caulfield. Uh, so if Caulfield decides to play NCAA next year, he plays NCAA. Uh, and Montreal can't sign him until he's done his NCAA. Absolutely. Now, now, if he decides, I don't want to play NCAA next year, then Montreal can come in and give his entry-level contract, and then it'll be up to Montreal on where he goes. Now, I'm a big uh, believer in if you're ready to play in the NHL, then you should be on the team. So if you come in in the, in the preseason – and play and practice, and you look like you belong, like Suzuki did this year and Cotton Yemi did last year, then you should stay. You you should be on the team. Absolutely, oh, and uh, oh. it's worth it's worth saying. I know most of our listeners probably know this already, but if Caulfield signs his deal, his uh, entry level deal, he cannot return to the NCAA. No, he cannot. But he can go. Um, can he go to a to a CHL team? Yes, he could, and I believe I would have to do research on this, but I'm 99% sure that uh, Sault Ste. Marie owns his OHL rights. So if Montreal did decide he needed another year at a lower rank, then he could go to uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Or the AHL. Or the AHL. Or the AHL. Personally, I think he should go to the AHL. He's already playing with men or guys over 20 there yep. in the NCAA, so he might as well stay there in the AHL, and I think that would be better. I think he would tear, personally, I think he would tear the OHL up. Um, I think I think he would too, but like, even at the AHL level, you play him with the right guys, you give him a top six role, and you give him lots of power play time, he's yeah. a guy that's a game-breaking goal scorer. Like, this guy, he might be a small for him, but you know what? Like, this guy can put the puck in the net, and this is a player, especially as a uh, Especially as a uh, a guy that can play the right wing, like Montreal really needs that in their system. Yeah. A guy that can really put the puck in the net, and uh, it still baffles me that this guy was available after putting up seventy two goals last year for the uh, U.S. development program. This guy breaking what, 15, Austin Matthews' record, by the way. Yeah, fifteenth overall. It, like, it's so hard to believe. If this guy was six, if this guy was even five ten, he probably would have went, you know, second overall. Yeah, I can see that. Or at least top at least top three. 
right? So it's 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 insane that he fell this far. But uh, thank you to the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> for not for not drafting him. And I'll never forget the video of the bar in Philadelphia when they they did not draft him <laughs> when they all thought they were going to get him. But they got Cam York, so good luck to Cam York. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Now we we've been talking about Caulfield the whole time up there in Romanov, but. Uh, and a little bit on Primo. Now, I guess really that's all we could stick to. We don't have to get down too far into the uh, into the midst of the uh, prospects. Everyone pretty much knows who they are, and these are the guys that are going to stand out and probably be on the haps within the next two years. More uh, than likely. Like, right now we can say where the best places are for these players right now. And in my opinion, Paling and Cockney should be playing one, two in Lavelle. Yes. Right. Give them as much, give them as much, um, playing time as you possibly can power play penalty kill, play them in situations that they would be playing at the NHL level. If they were asked to play in that position, because you're looking at someone like, um, like a Nate Thompson, who's more than likely going to get moved at the deadline. You're going to need somebody that can come in. That's not Philip to and kill penalties. And I don't want that to be a Suzuki. I don't want it to be all on Philip to know. I don't want it to be on Max Domi. You know, your, 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 uh, your options are limited. So we've seen paling a little bit, killing penalties throughout the year, in the NHL when he's played, if you can give him top minutes plus top penalty kill minutes, you're, you know, you're going to build this guy's repertoire. You're going to build him up that much more to uh, to succeed at that level. Yeah, I totally so, agree. And, and the same thing as Kakaniami. Like he, we've seen what he can do with Houdon. And I'll just touch on Houdon really quick. I would love to see Charles Houdon succeed at the NHL level. He's got 24 goals this year with Laval. He's got an absolute rocket of a shot. It's just for whatever reason, he gets up to the he gets up to the Canadians and he just can't put it together. And you know what? I I, I really hope he makes it someday. I real I really do. I well, personally, uh, this is Houdon's last year in Montreal. I think with the organization, chances chances are it probably will be. Yeah, and uh, as great as he played for Laval, I personally, Matt, don't think I think Houdon's an AHL player. I think he's a just a top elite AHL player. I, I don't think he has the extra step to be successful in AHL. That's just my opinion. Um, and the reason I say that is because he I, he reminds me of a uh, um ah oh, the name name escaped me, but there was there's another player that was that was a top score in the AHL every year he played, he'd go to the NHL and he did nothing, but I, I can't, the name just Chris, escaped. Chris, Chris, Chris Terry. Terry. Yeah. Chris Terry, Chris Terry could tear up the AHL, but for whatever reason he got to the NHL and he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. And I'm, I, I agree with you. I hope he does find success. Hell, I hope he finds with Montreal. I, although I don't think it will be with Montreal just because I don't see, he can't play on a third, fourth line. No, he's not, he's, not, he's not an energy guy. He needs to play with guys yeah. that can help him put the puck in the net. Yeah, he has to be a, a, a top six guy with a, with, a, with a center that can feed him, and there's no room for him in the top six in Montreal. No, absolutely not. 
Not, not, even, re- not even the top nine. And really, if I look at most teams, maybe except maybe the Devils or Detroit, I don't really see where he'd be top six on most teams right now. No, no. Uh, so that that's where I, I think he's kind of he's kind of stuck. But I, I, I wanted to go back to something here. I also want to disagree about Suzuki. I think Suzuki can kill penalties. If Thompson goes, I have no issue with Suzuki killing the penalty. He, he can. It's just you don't want to see your top pairing guys out there killing penalties all the time, especially no, if it's I, a, I agree. especially if it's a, uh, you know, a heavy penalty type game where you're out there and you're, you're, you're just going to exhaust, you're going to get exhausted. And then it's just going to, it's going to take the wind out of your sails and you're not going to do a damn thing during the game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Although Jake Evans killed a penalty was killing Billy's there against Arizona. Yeah. But he's playing in a bottom role. He is. Yeah. Right now, but he's looking good. We'll just, well, you know, we'll touch on Evans really quick. I got to see him play. Um, I got to see his first uh, actual game actually against, um, against the ducks Yeah. and first shift. You got know, a breakaway. Yeah. I got a breakaway. You know, he didn't get a score. He didn't get a goal in that game. It came, you know, a couple games after, but this is a guy that is another late round pick, another late round gem, seventh round pick. And, um, he is, he is very, he's NHL ready. And I would like to see him at training camp next season. And I'd like to see what he can bring because, um, he could, he's, he could definitely challenge for a spot depending on, um, other free agents that come in or at other, how other guys do at camp. I can see Evans on the team uh, starting next year. And this is, see, now this is the, the, I don't know if it's going to be a problem, but next year, if we have guys like Paling, Cotton and Emmy, Evans, maybe Cofield, Romanov, although Romanov doesn't fit in there, and we say we keep Tatar, we sign Kovalchuk, we keep uh, Petrie, where are all these guys going to fit? There, that's, There's that's the question true. you, you, you got to ask. True. So yeah. if we re-sign Kovalchuk, which I don't think is going to happen, if we keep Tatar, which I think is going to happen, uh, where do these guys fit in? There, there's no room for Paling and Kotniemi and them to play uh, where they need to be playing. Because, I mean, if, if Paling comes in and Kotniemi comes back, you got to move Domi to the wing, which where he should be anyway. Uh, then you have Paling stuck on the fourth line center. Yeah. And... Um... And Coffield, you know where's Coffield going to go? <laughs> that, honestly, putting Paling as the uh, fourth line center wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to do. I know that nope. some people want to see him. Some people want to see him as, as high as the second line, and I'm just going to burst everybody's bubble. Ryan Paling is not a second line center at the NHL right now. I, I totally agree. Totally. So, whoever's saying that, you know, let him develop. Do not. I do not want to see this guy matched up against. A Malkin or a Krejci or another team's very good second line center. Yeah. Because he's Cause not I mean, ready. If you look at the line, like if, if, and I'm just spitballing here. So you have Dano, Tatar, and Gallagher saying Tatar stays. Then your second line, you have Suzuki, Kovalchuk, and maybe Armia. Caulfield. It's Armia right now. It's Armia right now, but if Caulfield's in, the, in there, is Caulfield there? Maybe. Is Domi there? Is Drew Ann there? Is Armia there? It's all going to depend, for me, it's all going to depend on where they see Domi 
and uh, how some of these guys look at camp is right now. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, why don't you sign Caulfield right now? Why don't you get them, bring them up? They need goal scoring. They need this. Caulfield is not NHL ready right now. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 I totally agree. You know, I, I'm sorry if I'm bursting everyone else's bubble that's listening, but, you know, I'm doing a lot of that tonight, apparently. Um, but, you know, you he's are not a hater. <laughs> but I thought he's I not, was the hater. Matt, you're but he's, the not, hater. He's, he's not NHL ready. He needs to professional, professional level. I totally agree. And I, I, I would not be one iota upset if Caulfield played in the AHL next year if he decided not to play NCAA. However, I think he's going to do a second year in NCAA. That's my thought. And I, I know this doesn't affect. I know this doesn't affect Suzuki. This won't affect somebody like um, a Caulfield or a, a Romanov or something like that, or Caden Primo. But we also got to remember that the uh, Seattle expansion's coming up soon. Mm. So you're looking at. They're probably going to do the seven three one like they did last time, or seven forwards, three defense, and a goalie. So we know that Price is going to be um, safe. Is going to be safe for your defense. You're probably looking at Weber, Petrie, and I'd say. Well, Bush. I don't know about Petrie because he'll be a free agent, and the uh, he will the end be of next season. He, he so will be, but he for, might not for, even be with the Habs. But for right now, I'll just say probably Weber, Petrie. And I'm just gonna say I'll just throw Sherrod in there because he's playing. Yeah. He's 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 a top yeah. four. He's a top uh, four defenseman. Okay. Yeah. So then your forwards, I'm gonna say Drouin, more than likely Tatar. I'd keep him. Um, Gallagher, Domi, Deneau. That's you know that's uh, five already. Then we'll throw Armia. in Armia because he kills the hell out of penalties, and then we'll throw in Lekkinen. Okay. Well, that leaves someone like a Byron. Um, and then depending on who else they bring back or even who they sign, because if they sign Kovalchuk, they're probably going to save him. That's somebody that they would have to protect. Yeah. So what I can see if they sign Kovalchuk, and I'm, you know, I don't want to get into this right now because we're talking prospects, but if they sign Kovalchuk, I do a one-year deal. I'd give them, you know, a mil, you know, mil, mil, mil and a half, and then say, let me see what you got. And just performance bonus the shit out of that contract. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would do two years because I don't think Kovacek would sign just for one year. That That's why I would do two. But I would stick at a low mil, mil and a half, very bo- uh, bonus-laden contract. Yeah, absolutely. You, you play this many games, you get this much money. You score this many goals, you get this much money. You get this many points, this much. We make the playoffs, this much money. Yep. You know what I mean? And and just go like that. That that exactly how it. I think that's how every contract should be laid out. But anyway, uh, so speaking of so going back to prospects, the uh, NHL draft this year, as all of you know, is in Montreal. Um, perfect place to have the draft. It's been there more than any other. NHL city and um, you know I have uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, attend a few of them now it is a it is a spectacle you know I, I, I've had the opportunity to see Connor McDavid get drafted Austin Matthews um, Jack Eichel those kind of players like big name players in the league right now and uh, this year is going to be no different 
more than likely we're going to see Lafreniere step up to the podium, number one. It's going, to, it's going to be huge. So my question for you is you were discussing saying you see the Canadians around you know, 10, 11, 12, more than likely. So is there a name that you've got your eye on or two? Well, that, um, you should ask. <laughs> that, 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 maybe, that maybe you could see them you know, rolling the dice at, at in that position. I uh, see now for a while there, I was looking at Jamie Drysdale because yeah. for a while there, Jamie's Drysdale was around that position uh, for drafting, but it looks like he's moving up strong and fast. Um, Yaroslav Askarov, Askarov, the goalies in around there. I don't see Montreal picking him because I don't think they need a goalie. I don't think they're looking. <coughs> I don't think they're. Oh, bless you. Thank you. I don't think they're going to be considering a goalie, especially not in the first round. What I would say with that, if they're around that, if if Askarov is trending to be a top ten guy or a top fifteen guy, and that's where Montreal is, and they have a team that's close, that. Um, wants the goalie that wants the goalie maybe they can say do a trade yeah let's do a trade maybe we can move up move down whatever if there's someone that you know they can get later on or or whatever right personally around that spot i'm gonna go with uh, either jack quinn alexander holtz or uh dylan holloway okay uh i think if you want to look for the uh if you want to look for the French fanfare guy, I guess, or the uh, an, a name that could uh, merge up there would be uh, Maverick Bork. Um, okay. He's rated a little bit farther down, but so far this year he has 71 points in 49 games for Shawinigan. Um, he's 5'10", 178 pounds. He's a right shot. Um, he's... He, He's a center, but he's like like everyone everyone in juniors rated as a center. So, um, that's just if you you know where you're in Montreal, if you want to do the uh, let's draft a French guy, um, or maybe if you want to go defense, uh, Jeremy Poirier. But I I think it's going to be around there. Maybe Marco Rusi if he falls back a little bit. Uh, I like to see Tim Stutzel fall back. I, I can think. see him possibly even challenging for number two. Yeah, but see, that's just it. Like, I'm looking at a draft pick from uh, drafts from elite prospects as of, I mean, that's is in November, but let me look at, uh, let's try hockey prospects here. I think that's in January. Uh, yeah, so hockey prospects around where it's the same piece. It's Jack Quinn, no, no Gunyer, Alexander Holtz. It has it never changed much since November for these guys. Strutzel's third on their, their one, so he went from, uh, 7th in November to 3rd in uh, Byfield 2nd. I know Drysdale on some otherwise. He's 7th here, but he's moved up to as high as 2nd on some uh, lists. Um, but that's the thing with this year's draft. You look at the top 15 and you're kind of like, you know, even John Jason uh, Patricka from uh, from Germany could be. Yeah, he looked really he looked really good at yeah. the juniors. He, he, he looked, looked really, really good, good at the juniors. At the Junos, you got Dawson Mercer. He's in around twelve. He's a uh, uh, another guy out of the queue. He's playing for uh, uh, Shakutami. Uh, 
or sorry, he's with Shakutami now, but he has 52 points in uh, 35 games. So, you know, you have the any one of these guys is be could work for Montreal. I think they need a big power forward. So that that's what I'd like to see. Um, they're gonna win. They're gonna win the lottery, and they're gonna take Lapernere. Well, you know what? <laughs> that's I what I would I, love to see. <laughs> I think I'd rather see Byfield in Montreal. Call me crazy. Yeah, I don't personally. I don't think he's got the upside. I I wouldn't turn him down, but um, I don't think he's got the upside of a Lapernere and uh, having a French speaking um, prospect, a top oh, rated I- prospect in Montreal would silence so many critics. I uh, I don't disagree. And I think he would, hopefully, I would hope he would thrive in Montreal, especially as a French player. So um, the way I... They'd, the have way to, I they'd have to win the, uh, either make a huge trade, which will yeah, never happen. Absolutely. Or win it. Because I see really, this, oh. I see this draft, sorry. I see this draft as a very important one, not only for the organization, but for them to get rid of all the ghosts from the Louis LeBlanc draft. I almost want to say with, I I kind of really would love to, for them to win the, uh, the lottery, but if they do, I really going to say that the lottery's fixed. I really am because for them to finish, like say they finish 12th and they win the lotto and it's in Montreal and it's a, Quebec-born first draft pick. It just seems too surreal. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's just my thoughts. It's However... True. It's true. It could happen. That's our prospects. That's pretty much coming to the end of our show. I know you've all missed uh, hearing Blaine. We didn't, but uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's saving our country. He will be back. We did, evil doers. Yeah. He will be back. The, the, the ship's still there. So I want to remind everyone we have a contest. And I'm not sure if people don't know the rules or what, because everyone says they can't wait to win, but yet we haven't seen anyone DM the answer. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is uh, on our last show, we uh, had a secret word. Uh, within that show. And if you could guess what the secret word is, you could uh, win a Jonathan Druan Funko Pop. Uh, I put the, I'll put the pictures up again on Twitter. Uh, anyway, uh, if you know what the secret word is, now you're going to have to go back and listen to our show from Friday. Um, if you know what the secret word is, and I'll give you a hint right now, it rhymes with rank and dank. and starts with a T. Um... And it's is an armored good, military vehicle. Is, is that is that a is that a good enough hint there, Matt? That's uh, pretty good. Uh, anyway, if you get that word, just uh, when we put the show up on uh, Twitter, just put the word in. We'll pick a random winner, and I'll name the winner on Tuesday on Toxic Tuesday. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, all right, Matt, we'll end it here. It was great having a show with you. Yeah. Sure. Although they will we'll, we'll hear, definitely, we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah, yeah, maybe it, it, we'll see how many uh, how many uh, 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 listeners we get to this one. If it's really good, we'll just we'll just squeeze Blaine out. We might have to. We might just have to say like, you know what? Maybe you should take duty more often. Yeah, he's making all that fat cash with the hockey writers. Yeah, so the people, the people have spoken. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll call it the Matt and Treg show. 
That, it, it just it rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. I kind of like it. Maybe, maybe we'll take Habs Unfiltered and do a third show. Yeah. We'll do Let's the do Matt that. versus Craig. The problem is we agree too much. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, we we gotta we gotta start hating on each other a little bit. So maybe some uh, maybe some topics for future shows. So, you know, we can just go right at it. Yeah. Maybe the people would love it. <laughs> you never know. Be but like you are li- but you are listeners. Um, thank you for supporting us. Um, you know, it's not easy for us to always get together and do the show. Um, as as you can see by this one with Blaine not being available, I just want to throw it out there. Like we are. We are actually all with the Canadian Armed Forces. This is, you know, it's not a typo. We, we are all serving members of the Canadian Forces. We've all served overseas. We've all been away from our friends and family. And, um, you know, we're really proud to be able to say that we all serve. And, you know, we're proud of the work that we put uh, forward every week, or at least we try to put it together every week. So with that being said, thank you so much for joining us. You can see us on Anchor, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and you know, let your friends know. Um, retweet our, re, you know, retweet what we post, and uh, you know, just keep supporting the show. And if you have any other questions for us, if you have things that you'd like to see, things that you don't agree with, things that you do agree with, we love seeing your feedback. So, ask us questions. Yeah, yeah. let us we'll know. answer them. And you Maybe know what, correctly. We, we might even name drop you. <laughs> Whether it's good or bad. Whether it's good or bad, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we are we appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite uh place to listen to your podcast, subscribe to the show. Um uh we actually are doing pretty good on Apple under sports news. I don't know if anyone goes in there, but we're the uh what do, what do you just read it today there, Matt? What was it? Uh, seventh rank? Yeah, we were right? yeah, we third. I think we we're ranked number three. Uh, hey, Canada. we're up against PTI. Pardon the interruption, people. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that we're up there, then I think we're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing all right. All right. So we'll end it there. Matt, it's a pleasure as always. As always. Uh, next week, we'll have Blaine and a special guest interview. So, you guys aren't going to want to miss this one. No, you're not going to want to miss this one. I'm actually quite excited about this. Uh, anyway, I'll give you a hint. It's Habs related. So, uh, that's us. I'm Treg. That's Matt. Everyone, have a good weekend. Thanks for thanks for coming out, guys. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Firebird. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Firebird. On every message board. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts, take a bath in Firebird. You'll need no other fragrance. that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.